Hello and welcome back to Odd and Off the Pitch. This is an interview with the interview with series continues. I'm joined by Abigail Ingram. And uh, before we get into it, Abigail, I'm going to do a little thing. You are a sports science graduate from Brunel University. You're a football coach. And I'm going to say you're an ambassador for, for <laughs> girl football at the grassroots level. That's what I'm going to say. How are you, Abigail? Yeah, I'm pretty feeling pretty pumped after that that intro. The word ambassador, I think, something I wouldn't use for myself. But when other people say it, I won't I won't take away too much though. <laughs> well, well, look, you know, let's just let's just get straight into it. You are not at home. That is not that is not a fancy green screen ah, behind you. I wouldn't even know how that, to do that to be honest. <laughs> well, I can tell you. That that is the real sky. You are literally doing a session or just finished a session. Yeah. Um, before we talk about where you are now and what you're going to be doing later, why don't you tell us how, how did it begin for you in terms of your kind of love affair with football? Um, I guess like as a player, really. I, I remember. I think now I'm coming to coaching. I look back at where my journey started and um, I think I have a different view on maybe when I was playing still looking back at, on when my journey started so I remember like yeah being in the back garden being on the streets like when I was living in Croydon um just playing as a community with I remember mug being like built opposite us and we were absolutely buzzing like um as a group of like year sixes in a, in a primary school we just came made up so many different football games and sports games and um I was just fortunate like the people around me in, in the community was a mixture of boys and girls that played football and I think like um that was always always saying I now look back on and how how that definitely maybe changed some of my views in going into careers and stuff and then what happened I was playing primary school football and my dad would come watch now and then and he'd see like just maybe one girl in the other primary school and then he just like um spent a year at palace then they moved up an age group I was too young so my dad was just like yeah I'll, I'll start a team we were going around get like I said playing primary school football and he was just speaking to the other parents of that one or two girls on, on the school team and we just then created a a team and I stayed there for like 10 years I think I was before I went into uni and yeah kind of took on a bit more of the coaching side when I when I left Palace. And what was it like what was it like obviously you know your dad's pivotal in terms of getting you playing and kind of getting all of the other young girls playing football with you what was that like to see um, that your dad was so involved? Yeah to be honest like it was definitely mixed emotions I think when I was a kid, I was I was difficult. Like I was, I don't know. Like sometimes I'd be really upset, really angry with football, and like it would literally be when people say like you wear your heart in your sleeve. That was me as a player. Like I was absolutely like gun ho, want to win, want to do well. So then, kind of like having those discussions with my dad about like oh, it's development, it's this, like it's okay. That those were quite tough for me. Um, yeah, and I think he did a good job, like just trying to keep me grounded. And he was definitely about like not wanting me to come across as the favourite or the player of the squad or anything like that. And sometimes I felt that he was being really tough for me because of that. And I was just like, this isn't fair. This is like this. This is this. Um, but now when I look back at on the coaching side, I'm like, wow, he did a lot for this group of like parents, players, 
knowing that he didn't get paid, he, he kind of just took it on as a dad. He didn't really have much experience as a coach that like he did. He played himself a little bit, like not, nothing too high or impressive. And then I also look at our like household and I think actually my brother had to take a bit of a backseat and, and we joked about it and stuff like that. But now we're a bit older. I think I start to appreciate actually it could have been quite easy for my parents to not maybe push a female into football and like maybe focus more on my brother. He, he had his own opportunities in, in sport and stuff like that. But I think we just we just strived in different areas. He was really like kind of he I thought he was going to coach more. He was a football manager. The moment he came out, he was playing that. He was doing other bits, a little bit more like Excel spreadsheet kind of brainy. I was like sport athlete, like playing as much as I could. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that he's he's now in like finance and banking and stuff, and I'm I'm the coach. But it's yeah, it was it was interesting. It was supportive. My dad, like we had love hate relationship, a bit like Marmite sometimes. But I I now look back at it in my role, and I'm like, how did you do this? How did you do that with like so many different kids, so many different backgrounds, with me being difficult already? Um, so yeah, he's, I don't say it too much. So he's definitely my inspiration on some of the stuff I coach and why I coach. Um, so yeah, that was, that was interesting when I was a kid. <laughs> well, I just wanted to know what it was like. Obviously some people don't want their dad around at all, you know? So, yeah, I was definitely you know. that sometimes. Like I, we used to joke cause I used to sit in the back seat, went on to cut like into games. I would sit on the back and he'd like be my chauffeur a little bit. Cause I just, I was like, you're going to talk to me about the game. I don't want to talk about the game right now. Like. This is just like me time. When we go out, that's when it's like us time and you can be a coach. So I definitely challenged him in that sense. I was a bit like when I wanted him to maybe be my coach, when I wanted him to be my dad and when I just wanted to straight up be alone. Um, I think he was probably a bit grateful when I then went into like the reserves of first team and it was someone else's, I was someone else's issue in that sense of coaching. Um, but he, he always had my back as well. So I don't know, like when it came to certain decisions or with other coaches, it was all like, Abby, work hard, but I'll have your back if, like, they aren't fair on maybe their justification and stuff. And I think, again, when I look at my coaching, I'm like, I have to justify, I have to justify, because I know these parents are going to be what my dad was like and want these, like, answers and reasons. So, yes, yeah, some some good sessions, some bad sessions. I remember he did a demo once and I kicked his ball away. He wasn't too happy about that. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so wrong. That's so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. So wrong. Oh no, no, no. Um, tell me about you know. You say you you went to uni, and things kind of kind of not died down, but wasn't so, yeah. so much of a focus. What what was it about that period that you didn't necessarily put everything or put as much focus into football? Um. So I guess it was it was a multiple different things really. So. I kind of was finishing just before I went to uni, I was finishing up at Palace and I knew I wasn't going to stay there because of travel. I was going to stay at Brunel. I wasn't like kind of traveling car or anything like that. I was staying on, on site and I was like, yeah, no, like I, I've played at an okay level. We'd just like been in the Surrey County Cup final at the time. And I was just like, if I was gonna push on I had some opportunities that came about and I didn't take them and I was just like you know what like I've enjoyed it I don't want to ruin it like I don't want to push it too much to where I don't enjoy a sport and I think 
when I was 16, 17, I was starting to get like um, really bad chest pains and the doctors weren't sure why. And like, it took ages and ages to figure out what was going on. It ended up just being like adult onset asthma, but I was first year uni and I was suffering really bad from that. Like nothing was really under control. So again, that kind of like forced my hand on some of the football. And I remember the football girls, like, I think you have that stereotype of like, oh, it's going to be really boozy. It's going to be really like, competitive is going to be like whatever you think stereotypical uni football looks like but actually the girls at Brunel like I remember the reserve team captain she was like Abby look like just play now and then just keep us in the loop you don't have to train all the time we can manage some of this with you as well as some of the some of the drinking nights as well and stuff like that so I think that just like supported my love for football. Actually, the fact that they listened to what my issues were, even though I didn't fully know because it hadn't been diagnosed properly. Like, and they were just helpful. And again, like, I got to play a decent amount of football against a good opposition. Like they were like Southern Prem One and then relegated and promoted again. So we were playing some good teams. Like I look at the girls in the squad at the time. It was like some Reading players before WSL. It was some QPR players. It was a few others kind of in and around that kind of pyramid at the time so it, that was a really good experience but I kind of again was just like doing it because I enjoyed football I didn't really know what to fully do next but it wasn't to the level of like training three four times a day like four times a week and a game and, and this and that so it just allowed me to kind of pick a slightly different level of football which was quite nice as well. You know, that, let me say, it's really good when you say it allowed you to pick a certain level, which is, for some people, you know, they don't have the choice to pick a level, that's the level. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I guess, like, when I look back, I, I do think I'm, like, quite fortunate, I guess, like, with the primary school being open with me playing, my dad being supportive. Um, and I guess, again, that comes down to then, I recognise other people don't have that, like, don't get to pick their level, don't get to pick this, don't have that support. So I kind of take that now into my job roles. I'm like, well, what can I do if other people don't kind of get the same path that I had? What can I do to help their path? Um, so again, like I look at, yeah, I, the first team were doing X, Y, and Z at, at Brunel and it was the reserves were doing this and that. And it was like, Abby, like, what do you want to do? Had good conversations with coaches again. And it was just nice to be able to do that. And I think sometimes people get pressured into like oh you can play higher level you can sign for this team you can do that when really they just want to play ball don't get me wrong some people do want to be competitive and want to push on but I think it's just having those conversations and just checking in with people about where they're happy because otherwise I know there was times where like I definitely wasn't happy playing football and it was like this pressure to keep doing this keep doing that performing at this level if you're not good you're getting dropped and and don't get me wrong, I understand that competition side and parts of it me enjoyed it. But I also think if you don't care for that player that is going through that, it can then be quite damaging. And we talk about like no opportunities, but what happens when those pressures aren't managed or aren't really kind of like um, thought about? So again, I think I was quite fortunate in the long term, but there's definitely moments where I felt like too much pressure. I felt too much um, expectations on my shoulders at like 16, 17 and I just had to like speak to different people, had to kind of just grind through it sometimes. So I think that also like impacts kind of some of my decisions as a coach now. Mm. Do you know you say it's the, it's um, too much pressure and 
almost a lack of enjoyment of playing football. And if you don't, if you don't perform at a particular level, you're getting dropped. Would you say that some players, not so much they don't perform, that they, with the, the, the threat of being dropped, they like, they welcome it. Like, yeah, that allows me to just play football because I enjoy playing football. Um, yeah, I think like, I think it just depends on the type of player you are and the type of person you are. Um, I think I sometimes gave off that instinct. Like, I remember one cup final, I, I went through like the worst warm up ever, but I knew because I'd done that, I was going to play okay because I was just like, there's no pressure on me. Like, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I remember one coach, he, he, he got annoyed with me, but not to the point where he was shouting or anything. But he was just like, how do you do that? Like, why do you warm up like that before this kind of game? And I was just like, yeah, but you just got to trust me. Because I'm that, I'm more relaxed. Because I'm more relaxed, I know I'll play. So, like, let me just kind of go go for my own feelings. Um, so, some people, I think if you're on a high, like, that feeling like how to play well doesn't, doesn't impact me, at least, as much as maybe if I was on a dip and I wasn't sure where I am in the squad and if I was going to get dropped potentially and then, I, then I'm starting to overthink. It's just kind of like where it balances, I think, for that kind of competition side. Mm. You know, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting insight that you provide in terms of how you were feeling. And sometimes, you know, as individuals, we think we're the only one going through that thought process, yeah. which is why I kind of pose the question as, you know, some people yeah. might hear the, oh, I'm going to be dropped. Okay, fine. Because it means that they don't have to deal with the pressure. They don't have to worry. Yep. They can just, oh, I'm going to get dropped to a level. I'll just, I'll just enjoy the game without yeah, having to worry it, about too much. It just depends, I think, on like the club situation. Obviously, I was quite fortunate in the sense of when those kind of two competition sides were an option for me, both of them did have maybe a reserve or development squad or a social squad, for example, whereas some clubs don't have that opportunity. So... If there's just one squad and you dropped, it's kind of like you get no game time, so you don't have that like yeah. relaxation. It's like oh, actually, I do have to perform if I want to play any football. Um, so I think coaches need to be quite aware of what that looks like within their squads and within their clubs. Mm. That's that's a very interesting point. So with the university, you know, you were able to kind of dip in and out when you wanted to because they were very supportive. What what happens beyond uni? You know, how do you still stay engaged with the game and and get to um, where you are? Yeah, so I kind of straight out of uni, moved back home to, to Ashford and Kent, started working. I was doing like sessional hours at a um, leisure trust and they were just like, oh, we've got this opportunity of a school games organiser, literally organising tournaments of primary schools, events, all kind of sports. And I was just like, yeah, I'll have a go, like can't be too much different to the after school clubs and the parties I was already doing um and then it somehow happened like someone I played youth football with had moved into that area and they were like oh I'm looking for a football team like do you want to come with me for the first session and I was just like I haven't really thought about it but yeah okay like I'll come support you and then maybe I'll drop back out and ended up I was playing I think another two years there where it was it was a different level and I was just like, you know what, like this girl that I played football with a while ago, youth, she, she was all right. There's like the rest of the squad, they were like, we did all right in the league and I was just enjoying it again. It was just like, oh, if work came up or something else came up, like there wasn't that pressure. 
um most of the time we just rocked up on a sunday but actually still wanted to play okay level football sometimes i think when you say sunday league football everyone just expects like kicking each other up like playing long and stuff but actually the girls the manager and stuff wanted to just play football he he was a dad like so he just had a real father nature to him to the whole squad like um so yeah that was really really chilled and then I had to make a decision when I left that job and I took a full-time role at Fulham and I was just like look I can't travel all the way to Fulham from from Ashford and then travel back for training it was just like it was going to be too much I stayed and played a few games at the weekend when things didn't clash and maybe they were short players I'd, I'd like sit on the bench and just like support and help out um because it was like roll roll off at the time and then I think second year of Fulham, I was just like, this like football playing has to stop for me now. It was it was too much clashing with maybe my work. And I was just like, I'm not the fittest player. I've played at my okay levels. I've made my friends. Like, I think if I didn't work full-time in football, I'd probably still want to be playing. But because I do, I get my, my healthy dose of football now. So yeah, playing results to maybe just demos and a few, few friendlies or charity stuff. Charity stuff, I love it. What what was it like at Fulham, and what was your role at Fulham? Um, so my first role at Fulham was the female football development officer. So I was overseeing a few different programs. The main one was the Premier League girls at the time. Um, so that was funded by the Premier League, like charity sector. Um, I oversaw like the women's kind of team in the sense of like being a secretary, catching in with the coaches, signing players up that kind of like more admin stuff went down and did a few sessions with them again when cover was needed um and then our the girls development center had just started there so i was overseeing that coaching on that helping coaches sorting out fixtures for them and then halfway through my time there i ended up on a different program which i definitely hadn't planned for myself for which was the performance center which was predominantly kind of males on that program a lot bigger um it kind of was meant was meant to be a shadow to what academies would look like so again a lot different kind of like focuses on, on player development instead of maybe the social side instead of like that gender kind of side it was more about right what's the best we can get this player to be how do we do that what's the process where they end up in their playing career kind of thing so yeah that was what my what my role started off at as Fulham and those two yeah and were they enjoyable roles uh they, they were hard like they were definitely difficult in some areas i remember when i first went in i was a bit like how did i get this job like i remember the, the manager at the time for me was a guy called ali he everyone literally at the foundation at the time looked up to him and they were saying how scary he was and i was like i don't know what you're on about he's so nice to me and i was literally just a bit cheerful um i think it was definitely the first time that i'd really experienced what it's like to coach full-time at football so it was like kind of like I had sessions every day weekend evening after school kind of stuff um and I think a lot of people think that's really really enjoyable and and it is but it's tiring and it's there's more planning than what people first expect and that was a bit of an eye-opener to me but I think once I kind of found my fee and then I knew the coaches more and your processes more I enjoyed it and again I kind of moved away from the female football role into the performance one just because I'd spent a year on the program I thought I got it to a really good place and 
it was kind of like what else can I do with it and I couldn't think of too many other things it was kind of like I want someone else to take it to another level while I try to take myself to another level on on this different program um and I found it difficult like sometimes to hand it over to someone else I was like oh no this is my little baby this is my like the first real football program that I've I've helped and tried to do but it was kind of like a passage away like passage of life it was nice to kind of like let someone else have a go at it and help them and and manage them and stuff um and there was some tough times like trying to just maybe I think overall all the coaches were really supportive having me there and uh yeah but it was it was tough there's a lot of expectations working for at the time it was a championship into a premiership then back into a championship kind of foundation um I ended up I think on the female program I was overseeing about 300 players roughly when I went on to performance center that was about 250 plus the person that came into my old role so it was like kind of like looking after a primary school it kind of felt like being a head teacher of that and like everyone wanting your time and you're like you want to give your time to everyone but you're also trying to manage like multiple things and there was a part of the part in my career where I was kind of working both roles and at that time I had never been so tired in my life like when people talk about like newborn children that's what I expected to be like because it was it was mayhem like but again like thankfully I had had a good mentor um Karen who's like the head of operations there there was a few conversations that me and her had and she just knew where I was coming from she like tried to help me out to the point where it was writing my calendar out on her whiteboard and she was working out how many hours when I was going to take hours back. And that was definitely needed. So I was just like, I want to need to give to this person. I need to help this person. I need to do this. I need to do this. Where she kind of was just like, um, Abby, like, it's not, it's not going to last forever like that. You can't, you can't work like that. And I think that kind of came down to like that expectation as a player that like, I needed to do this, needed to do this. Otherwise, like I'm getting dropped and it's like kind of like fear of, carried on into my career and I was just like yeah that was that was a bit tough that time but overall I definitely think they gave me a lot of experience they gave me a lot of mentors and then yeah gave me loads I, I look back at my first session as an interview there and absolutely I don't know how I got the job like it was like some old school session and within a year I saw a whole completely different way that I was coaching and I like I remember watching new coach and I was like yeah yeah that's perfect because that's better than me so it was literally like if they're better than me when I pass like my interview then I knew if they had a right mentor they would get better as well um wow. even though everyone thought I was quite like grumpy strict and like um hot, hot on standards I was just like I was but also I wasn't like it was quite quite interesting in that sense you're you're hot on standards where'd you get that from <laughs> I probably my coaches my dad like I, I was gonna know, say your dad when yeah. I was playing yeah 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 um also I just think like if someone says something they, they need to be told if they're not sticking up to their own standards like that people do need reminding of of what they expect from others and they have to expect from themselves as well so I expect coaches to turn up 15 minutes before like trust me I'm getting there 20 25 minutes before because how am I gonna know if they're late otherwise that's kind of what how I see it like if they if I want things to be done in a certain way they need to see that from me to know that that's the standard and to say I think that goes beyond when I say standards I think that's also like 
I talk about players needing support, then actually I want my workforce to have the same support, so that which means they'll pass that on, and it's just that good feeling. Um, so I'm not going to shout at players. I'm not going to shout at a coach. Like they need their own trial and error. They need their own kind of like boundaries and expectations and, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, but also if I'm tight on deadlines, people aren't aren't going to get like the longest conversations out of me. It's going to be short, sharp. Get done. Get done what they need to get done. Okay. Oh, well, I'm glad this conversation is is lasting longer than <laughs> your, your yeah, standard yeah. No sessions. deadlines today. So. No deadlines <laughs> today. So, so from Fulham, where do you go next? Um, I went straight into Girls United. So, kind of like this, nearly a year ago, September. I think first week of September. Um, like I said, I had had some difficulties at Fulham. More on more on just personal note, like trying to manage my travel time, trying to manage kind of other things um, and stuff like that. And I, I saw this role and I was just like, it's closer, it's back in girls football, which is kind of what I missed a little bit. Um, I spoke, spoke to the founder, Romina. We had some really good conversations. I even tried something different on my interview and it, and it worked. She enjoyed it. Other coaches enjoyed it, which was, was risky. I thought, if again, if they want to buy into me, I need to show them what I am gonna kind of like try out at, at the company and at the at the club. And yeah, we like I said, we just had really good conversations. Asked where the direction was, asked what the aims were, see what I could do, what I could add. And also, it was just a bit where it's where it's not attached to to a football club. It meant I had more ownership over kind of what type of stuff I wanted to go do from like grants, funders, partnerships. Whereas football clubs definitely have their kind of like, I call them like gang lines, but they're like football club lines. So like if you went across the road on the wrong road and you set up a session, one of the London football clubs is like coming for you. They're going to email you. They're going to be asking why you're doing that. Why are you doing this? And some clubs, like we did a partnership and when I was at Fulham, for example, and we worked really well. Like there was one school that was like in the middle or across two borders, whatever you want to call it. And we ended up just doing two sessions there because it was so girls and that worked perfectly. But there was others where people, yeah, were, it was like COTCO level. And I was just like, whoa, this is <laughs> someone's, someone's getting an email tomorrow morning. Whereas, oh dear, yeah, oh Girls United, like we, we've had conversations with Mill, we've had conversations with Chelsea, uh, Palace, Fulham, like, and it just allows me that kind of more community. We're going to just work with who we think is best to work with in that area and wherever their skills lie instead of, um yeah worrying too much about kind of who's doing what where uh, i yeah. think like there's 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 poor there's benefits and, and downgrades i'm not gonna downgrades but like barriers so for example it's difficult like not difficult it's different to bring players in when you don't have a like a club badge that maybe is recognized from tv and and stuff like that but also like i said it just maybe gives us more flexibility and what we want to set up with and who and when which is quite mm. nice um yeah. so yeah been been at girls united for a year it's been it's been fun. Definitely not all been as sunny as it is now. <laughs> <laughs> I, can imagine, I can imagine your coaching sessions don't take place while the weather's this nice. Nah, February was nearly a breaking point. I thought everything was flooded. I thought I'd move to swimming soon. That's terrible. So, you know, with your role at Girls United, Girls United FC, should I say? Yep. Um, you know, where do you see this entity and you going in the next year two years or so 
Um, it's a difficult one. I think obviously the whole COVID and, and lockdown has maybe delayed some of our plans and some of our expectations. But I, I look across this year and I, I remember coming in and doing a few sessions. And I think if I look at our Wildcats program, it went from kind of like a good 12 up to about a 30 before lockdown. Everything seemed to be growing. Our kind of like holiday provisions were growing. Like it was so amazing. Girls were starting to play like their first games in the Tanger League. We were having more coaches. Um, so I think from a London point of view, it's just about at the moment just sustaining that, making sure people don't face more barriers because of COVID with finance or travel or whatever that they kind of feel on top of maybe what girls were already experiencing. Um, and then also just looking at maybe we've got a pathway from Wildcats to our clubs and then we started to do some work experience and then we've got like a coach mentor program into an assistant and lead coaches. So it's just might maybe trying to plug some more of those kind of little gaps for to get people in at the places they want to get in. I know we met on like broadcasting social media <laughs> Yeah. um event so just again like giving those girls more opportunities so it doesn't always have to be playing the sport like I think people could fall in love at different points I think when I was younger I definitely fell in love with with the playing and as I got older like I said we I started to experience some of those pressures and stuff and actually coaching I like I don't know if I love it more but it's, it's definitely up there so it's just making sure that our kind of 14 to 16 to 18 girls have those opportunities as well if if they don't want to carry on playing, that they don't fall out of the love, they don't fall out of love as the sport, but they just find their own role that they can go and own and go and like progress wherever they want to progress it. Yeah, you you you, you choose. Well, I mean, you not choose. You you mentioned the fourteen to sixteen. Is is that an age group that Girls United FC are looking at, or is it something that you brought to Girls United FC? Um, I think it's a bit of a mixture. I think from my Premier League girls programs, that was always like a specific target that the Premier League set. And I think when you look at a lot of like dropout rates, they'll mention kind of 14, 13 year old girls. Um, so I think it's quite broad in that sense. And like a lot of people will kind of mention it and will t discuss it. Um, I think we, uh, Girls United before me, like they had a Saturday session and then they entered in September like the 40 uh last year's under 13s and last year's under 15s kind of sessions for clubs and I think I just like when we had those discussions with Romina it was always a discussion about how do we bring more girls into those what else can we do for them um knowing that like they might change location when they go to college they most likely will unless they go to a London one so what's the last things that we can do that will really impact them and I guess I look back on my 14 to 16, I think about Palace still, even though it's a, a long way now f since then. Um, so it's kind of like, what else can we do that will be our lasting impact on those before they maybe go off to do A-levels or go off at 18 to go to uni to remember us? and it, Not just remember us, but actually make decisions maybe that they've learned in conversations with us or make decisions where they think, oh, I can make this change because I experienced this or, or whatever it is. So I think it's a mixture of both. And I think that's quite a nice bl uh, blend into why I joined as well. Yeah, do you know, I, I have visions. I've got a couple of questions that I'm kind of forming around yeah. the age group and what you talked about. And you said that if, 
if the girls go on and make decisions and mention Girls United FC almost as a, as a reference point to the options that they had at a certain age and, and where they are in their lives at that point in the future. Um, what you're really talking about is like an alumni of girls, yeah. stroke young women who can say, um, I was with this club and they helped me and this is what they stand for. And uh, yeah. it's almost as if you're future mentors, but they're also signposting the younger generation to an organisation that's not necessarily geared up just about performance, but about nurture. Yeah, I think like coming from a coaching, coming from a background that experienced maybe the performance side and as well as like community side when I was just playing and, and things like that. I think if the girls have that real desire on, on the performance and maybe they're really striving in our sessions, I'm definitely not an individual. I don't think Girls United definitely isn't where it's like, oh, they're our player. Like, I think players will resent you for that if they feel that you haven't given them all the options or all the information you can. I think, again, my experiences with, with Fulham and knowing other coaches, I'm able to like just discuss them and point them in other directions and let them go have those conversations with clubs and and a few players before me did go off to RTCs and a few come back over the summer to just like catch up with their like schoolmates again with us, which I think just having that fluidity for, for the competition side is always really important and something that we stand for. It's not like there are players that ask for this, but I think if they can go away and, and when they grow up or even straight away and they look at, oh, well, how did Coach Abby make me feel when I was at Gallows United? How did it feel when I was at those sessions? And I think that will always impact people longer term than what they maybe notice straight away. Um, even to the point where now, like, kind of halfway into my year, some of the older girls, they were doing their Duke of Edinburgh's and they wanted to do, like, volunteer coaching with our Wildcats programme. I'm like, that's so amazing. Like, we haven't forced that upon them. They've had a decision to make and they've picked to do it at our session. And I think that just, like, demonstrates all the work the coaches are doing, that the club are doing, that I tried to do. And I think again like just the feedback from parents obviously we talk about like players experiences but parents have experience and most of the time if they don't enjoy that experience from their side it doesn't matter how much players enjoy you they just won't take them or they won't do this and they won't help them and again I think that's really important in that like experience for the whole family not just that one person that may attend so we have one player her brother comes and it's like we still have that conversation with with him as he attends with his dad and, and the girl that plays for us because if he doesn't enjoy coming to the venue then that girl might miss out like not to say that he has all the power but I think it is definitely more of a family instead of just that one person you see at a session and then the girls like some of the young girls they absolutely adore our older age groups and we definitely try to purposely make sure they cross paths when when possible obviously it's a bit more difficult now but beforehand it's like we had um camps or crossover at training we do festivals in in christmas we did a christmas festival so obviously they weren't playing on the same pitch but like they'd play for two teams and they'd what, like earn points for their own teams just to make sure it is a like real real community program it's not just a this is your age group this is all you need to worry about it's like what else can you do to help one of our players fundraised and like all the girls ended up walking and running miles against the coaches miles and it was carnage the coaches were aching and I ended up having to like walk a mile with every pair of my trainers because I'm like I could do this 
but like just the fact that the girls had that initiative that they wanted to do for for our Mexico club like it's just such a good feeling to know that they are making those decisions and it's not like forced upon it just comes back to more of what we're trying to do on and off the pitch which is so cool yeah I love the plug there thank you for the on and off the pitch um <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the Mexico club. You do mention something about that. Is it there's a sister club in Mexico yeah, so for girls? You know, it start started out in Mexico, two thousand and seventeen. Right. Um, found uh, Romina. She's out there at the moment. Obviously, with lockdown, she's she's been there longer than normal. Normally, she flies across to both. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes, I yeah. guess I'll let her answer that one um so yeah they start out there they they do a lot of community stuff they go into schools they set up leagues tournaments out there the stuff that girls wouldn't have experienced there was like kind of that um there was a few pitches and a majority would be like for the boys or the guys and then they came over it's it's really cool some of them went out to france and then came for the world cup for the women's world cup and then um came back and spent some time in London. So some of our girls, that was just before I started, so some of the girls like met the Mexico girls, which is really cool. They learned some Spanish, they're trying to teach me. I haven't haven't nailed it yet, but something on my on my to-do list to try. So yeah, it's really cool. Like we as a staff member, we get to meet obviously not in person, but um in like Google Hangouts and stuff like that and just discuss about like the different barriers that maybe I face in, in South London versus what they base in mexico and actually some of it is the same some of it's different um so that's that's really cool to be able to connect across like those areas and i think when we spoke about what's next like new areas and, and new continents new countries is probably next for for um girls united and maybe my job title will change to europe manager cool. i'm i'm gonna Ooh. throw that one out there so for Amina, you're watching <laughs> I'm, I'm all over that. Um, I, no, I but... second. I second your nomination. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got some ambassadors. Vero is obviously from from Spain, playing out in US, USFA, um, and then uh, Caroline Weir was obviously at Manchester. Yeah, City. saw that. She, she's yeah. from Scotland. So yeah, yeah we're, we're don't, definitely don't hold that against <laughs> Well. I did say I'm not sure what the weather's like in Scotland for me to be travelling up there to do sessions, but you never know. I think where where we think maybe communities can benefit from our programmes, can benefit from our type of delivery and what we stand for, I think we're always happy to listen to different places. And I think that's what makes us really cool. Like I said, we can just spread out and we'd make sure we don't dilute what we do. And it's about bringing in the right people at the right times. And Romina's like, so good for, for doing that I think and I really enjoy doing it and when I now get to do it with the coaches that come join us in London it's, it's really fun and we we get complimented quite well on what our workforce looks like in London I think we've got like eight or nine active female coaches and people are now messaging me like where do you find a female coach and I'm like they just email me like we just <laughs> we just yeah we're just lucky we're just, lucky good at what we do I don't know but it's been a good way for us to to promote what we do. I think having different role models from different backgrounds as females helps the club so massively in London. And so that's quite exciting too. That's really good. You know what, you, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier in terms of, you know, making it a family affair, affair and speaking to, you know, everyone, you know, there's a, a young boy that comes along to support his sister 
and you want to make sure that he feels happy. Um, have you had any of the um, the mums kind of, you know, say, is there a, a mums team, like a, an over 30s, 40s team? Oh. What can we do? Nah, not like, I might, hopefully I'm not lying, but I don't remember any off the top of my head. Like, there was a few times when, so we normally like break for half term on, on our weekend sessions, for example, because we would have done camps, everyone wants a break, like coaches, you know, want to wear them out and looking after the workforce and, and things like that. And I know sometimes they've, they've still come down to where we normally train in Peckham Rye and they'll have like a parent kid kick about. And I know a few times the mums have joined in, it's predominantly the dads, but um yeah like they're they're really supportive I think like if I send anything out and it's like oh we need some help on this match day to do this obviously not so much of the coaching but they're always they're always happy like to help out I think it's just that honesty of like right this is what we can do for example in lockdown at the moment this is our plan this is why this is what we're doing and it's just that justification and and the mums and dads always yeah they've been they've been amazing so far at Girls United to be fair um but no one no one's asked to set up a, a mum's team yet <laughs> we have to be fair we we did we did an international wednesday tournament and we yeah. had kind of like beginners beginners and then we had intermediate for women's and then a men's kind of section and we do like have some beginners relationships with other clubs that aren't too far so i guess maybe in the long term it would be an option but i think again looking at how much we have on our plate and not wanting to dilute and not wanting to kind of rush things. If anyone did mention it, we'd probably be able to support them in finding someone that's local that we trust and in that sense until we are in a position to have our own. Yeah. But I'm always yeah. happy to hear hear things. So if, again, if anyone's want to set up anything, like they can drop me a message or whatever. But <laughs> not at the moment. Not at the moment. I do. You know what? I suggested it. I was thinking to myself. She's thinking. No, I don't need this pressure now. I don't need, <laughs> I don't need this pressure. You can, the reason you can I ask, like, I don't the, mind people asking, just know that I might say no, I might say yes, yeah, depending exactly. on Exactly. <laughs> no, no, else. what, what the, the reason I, 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 I mention it, and uh, I'm consciously running close to the wire, um, yeah. is, is that there is this thing about um, walking football. There's the advert I've Have seen for walking it? football. I'm, listen, whoa, slow down. You know, I'm not that bad. Um, I'm just, just asking. I know you are. Um, but all of the adverts are about men. All of them. Walking for all of them. And they're, yeah. and they're, men, of a, they're men of a particular age. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what, what I've noticed is, is that um, there have got to be women out there who want to play football, who have never played football but want to. Yeah, and I just, I yeah, just kind of put it out there. That's all. There, there, there definitely is. I think again, when I was at Fulham, we had a um, health coordinator called Simone, and she oversaw, she oversaw a walking football or a few walking football sessions. To be fair, and I went down. I played one. I was, I was not good. Like, because I'm just a slow walker. When I played football, well, yeah. like, I, I was, I was okay on my fitness when I was when I was playing like at an okay level. Obviously, now it's a completely different story. So I just kind of casually stroll, which does not work out for walking football. So that yeah. that was like a no go for me. And they had they had a women's tournament, and Fulham played against like Palace, uh, Arsenal, and someone else. I can't quite remember. So apologies if they if they see this. 
and it was so good. I ended up playing golf for one of the teams because someone got injured, and it was just so enjoyable. But actually, a few of the players ended up playing like walking football for women's England team or something like that. So they've ended up getting like a national cap at walking football. So I think it's go. growing again. Like I said, I know I know a few teams kind of in and around London. So people message me. I'm happy to direct them into the places I do know, but. It's not my fault, no. say yet. <laughs> I'll make I'll make a note of it. Walking football, e um, email Abigail. In England cap. <laughs> England cap. I'll, I'll um, tell you club to go to. <laughs> and club to go to. Look, we're run, we literally run to the wire. What are you going to do now? Because I can see you're sitting in a field and we've seen people walk by like they're going golf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've got uh, so we've got a good partnership with Dulwich Hamlets Women's. So yeah. I'm going to go meet their head coach, Ryan, and talk through some bits on, on their women's team, kind of be a soundboard to him. I've worked with him previously, so I'm, I'm excited yeah. to do that. And they've had, a, they've had a really good relationship with our, with our club players. They've been mascots. So it's so amazing to be able to work with a local kind of um, set up in that sense. So I'm going to go, go catch up with him. And then I've got another session with him then at around eight. So it's been a full on day. Full on day. Look, the life, the life of a, of a coach, indeed. Yeah, busy, busy, busy. Um, <laughs> Ab Abigail, I'm so glad we were, we were able to speak because remember, I asked you Me to do too. this some months ago, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. said, hey, hey. <laughs> "Finally, I've had, I've had finally." Some, had had some good motivation from from other people and yourself, and I thought, yeah. you know what, sun's out. Football's kind of back in some degree, so it was it was a yeah. pleasure, and maybe we could do another one again soon. De no, definitely, we've got. But I will speak to you offline, as I will anyway. Yep. But definitely, I, I'm hoping to hear from you again because I want to know what's going to happen going forward. So I'm going to yeah, say thank right. you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you as well. Thank you. Bye. Right, right, bye. Don't go anywhere yet. I've got to say goodbye <laughs> to these guys. Um, that was Abigail Ingram. Um, amazing. A football coach who has high standards so you better watch out uh, this was an interview with part of on and off the pitch i'm rodney cyrus and i'll see you very soon bye for now